Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Tom Reisenweber. Tom, uh, good to have you back on the air with us. Yeah, anytime. It's, it's good to talk about sports again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Talk about going from a drought to uh, almost a flood uh, this weekend. I want to hear your first impressions about the high school football uh, inauguration weekend. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was uh, I guess the best way to say it is it was different. Um, it was a little odd, you know, no one being in the stands. You know, I've been to games in the past where there has been a lot of fans there, but at least there's some kind of a little bit of energy. But, you know, there's uh, obviously, you know, fans aren't going to be uh, spread out throughout these games anymore, at least for now. Uh, I was at Harbor Creek on Saturday night, and it was interesting. Um, they almost arranged it, I think, at 7 o'clock on kickoff, like 10 cars drove by on Depot Road to honk their horns. And there's another uh, seven or eight cars parked on Depot Road to watch the game. And, you know, I think fields throughout the whole district had people outside the fences trying to get a glimpse, trying to watch. Obviously, there were live streams going on. But uh, it's just a, a weird time right now. You know, not a lot of energy on uh, at these games because of no fans. You know, kids are trying to create their own energy, but the atmosphere is definitely not the same. Yeah, it's, it's a really weird uh, interpretation of Friday Night Lights, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, that's the one thing I always appreciated and I miss now is you go to uh, these these Friday night games and it wasn't so much the same in the city, but you got to Erie County and it's an event. It's not just a football game with all the cheerleaders, the band, uh, all the pageantry before games, uh, all the pageantry at halftime, the actual game. Everyone's excited. There's huge crowds. Uh, The parking lots are full, tailgating going on. All that stuff is so cool, and we're missing all of it, basically. Um, you know, Harbor Creek has cheerleaders there, but the band did not go so they could have more parents there. That was the band's decision. Um, but it was just uh, definitely not the same, and it's a shame. You know, I know the, you know, the kids, you know, they appreciate actually being out there, so you can't really complain too much, but it's definitely not the same as usual. It, you know, it came from your reporting that basically – uh, a few weeks ago, when the PIAA decided to go ahead with fall sports, I mean, these kids were were cheering. They they were truly excited because this almost didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, we were uh, uh, we're close to not having uh, sports. You know, obviously there's concerns over COVID nineteen, and there's still a big concern over spreading. Uh, we've already seen uh, more in football shut down. They had a kid on the team that had COVID. They had to shut down for two weeks, so they missed their first game of the season, uh, which ended up working out anyway. Their opponent found someone else to play. And this past week, um, they, Harbor Creek wouldn't confirm it, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure the uh, they had a COVID case related to the volleyball team, yeah, which was in quarantine, and not and their first two matches were moved back to uh, a week from Saturday. So uh, we've seen two teams deal with it, but deal with it well and not shut down for the season not cause a panic in the school. So I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we're going to have cases in these schools. It's just a matter of how we react to them, how we become safe about it, how do we be smart about it. Um, I think these kids, these athletes, they're so happy right now to be playing 
that they're going to do everything they can to keep their seasons going. Um, they're not going to go out and party in on weekends and, you know, put themselves in, in, exposed to the situations. Uh, I think they're all pretty much staying home, doing their homework, going to practice, and getting ready for the next game, which uh, is an interesting dynamic. You know, a lot of high school kids like to go out and celebrate wins, uh, but I think a lot of these teams, even win or lose on Friday nights, they're going right home because they know at any point this can all go away. So it's uh, it's gone well so far, and uh, I think we're going to get into the real – tenuous situation these next few weeks uh once we get two or three games deep we've had school going on for about a month that's when with the real test is going to come if we keep this thing going so yeah so your that's your prediction is that uh it really uh, we're really not going to get a sense for the true impact of the contact sport and COVID uh, until maybe three weeks in. And that makes sense because that kind of follows how the, the pandemic has been going all throughout the summer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I went on, I went on to about 22 football games this summer, uh, and I, I got kind of, I did a kind of an informal poll of coaches, what they thought, and everyone kind of circled September, that last week of September. Yeah. That's going to be when we're three games in, we're about, what, four weeks of school. We'll know if kids can handle being in school and playing games without getting sick. Um, I think, you know, from what I observed at the games this weekend, everyone was great about distancing, wearing their mask, and, uh, you know, it, it was kind of odd watching Harvard and Corey, you know, the usual handshake line, but they walked by each other and waved at each other, no handshakes <laughs> to uh, make sure that didn't happen. And, you know, Corey well, wasn't allowed in the visiting locker room. They had to stay outside during halftime. That's all part of it, though. So it was, uh, I think that, you know, that, that last week, September, first week, October, I thought my, in my mind, we would be probably done by, by Columbus day, middle of October, because that's when we're going to really see a lot of contact going on. But for right now, it seems like the kids are really doing a great job of uh, being smart about it. You know, you kind of wonder, you get a month or two into the uh, school year, do kids get a little lax about it? Hopefully not. Hopefully they stay sharp. And cause they know what's on the line. They know if they don't do their job, the season's over. So I think most of them have that motivation to uh, do the right thing. Were you able to talk to any parents anecdotally uh, as as you made your way around? Uh, I mean, what are, what are parents saying? Because again, to me, Tom, it, it, you know, I feel like the governor needs to turn around on this edict because it would be much safer to control these crowds inside the stadium than how they're doing it now with a bunch of people crowding around uh, the fences. Yeah. That's that's the tough thing too, is like, um, you know, I kind of stood by the gate uh, at Harbor Creek on Saturday until kickoff to kind of get some feedback of what's going on. You know, the parents that got tickets were more than grateful. They couldn't thank the, uh, the principals enough at Harbor Creek. There were some that came, had no idea and just showed up hoping to buy a ticket. And once they were the, the, the situation explained to them, they said, okay, we get it, and went home. Um, but that's the problem is the, the outside of the field. You know, I think schools are pretty much doing everything they can right at this point. You know, every one of them has a stream, a live stream going, so you can watch the games. And you don't really want to go around the entire game and just kick people out of outside the fence, especially when it's your own parents. Right. Uh, that's just going to cause some conflicts. And I, I, I kind of asked around some officials. No one really had any problems on Friday or Saturday with any parents trying to storm the gate or anything like that. I think most accept what's going on. 
but it's just tough for them. You know, you want to see your kids play, uh, especially the seniors. Um, I know some schools have changed what they're going to do for the senior night. I believe Harbor Creek is just going to have a senior night celebration separate from games for football, soccer, volleyball, and have, have a kind of thing going on like that. Um, but, yeah, I know the parents are conflicted. A lot of them want to be at these games. I think there's a portion that are uh, upset because if they're not there and their kid breaks their leg, what are they going to do? Um, you know, can they go to the hospital with them or do they meet them there? You know, most would actually take their kid to the hospital kind of thing. And we saw with Corey on Saturday, uh, there was an injury. A kid had to leave on uh, crutches. But uh, I believe the, tra- the athletic trainer had to take him to the hospital to get x-rays because the parents weren't allowed in there. So uh, it's, a, it's a tough thing for parents right now. Uh, you know, that's one of the big things with high school sports. Not only the kids making memories, but the parents getting to watch them yeah. and remember that kind of thing after they leave the house the following year for college. So uh, it's, there's a lot of uh, uneasiness, a lot of tension. But I think the bottom line is everyone is accepting what's going on because the alternative is nothing. We're talking to Tom Risenweber. He's from Go Erie and the Erie Times News. Um, Tom, uh, what about uh, you? Mentioned that you talked to some officials. Um, there are they at full complement? They're part of the two hundred and fifty count. Um, there we, you know, I guess a couple couple parts of the question. They they seem to think that things were running smoothly even under these unprecedented times. Yeah, I think yeah, they, for the most part, everyone was pretty happy. Um, I think what helped, you know, before the season, I, I asked, uh, you know, how many officials opted out of because uh, of COVID, and I think it was only a handful in District 10. Now, before the season, before COVID even, um, District 10 lost an entire crew wow. uh, to retirement. The average age of the officials in District 10 is pretty high, so they really need some more young officials to step up. But they were already down to – I think 15 crews for usually 19 games, District 10 each week. So that's why you're seeing five or six Saturday games now each week, kind of spread that out and kind of take the, the pain off there. But uh, for the most part, it seemed like everything was going well with the officials. You know, obviously they are counted towards that 250. And uh, it seemed like there weren't too many coaching complaints. Um, you know, I think everyone's so happy to be out there that uh, it's not the, the usual get after the official for a bad call kind of thing. But there, you know, there were some complaints, but for the most part, it seemed pretty well, go pretty well on Saturday. But uh, I think the officials, you know, they have a lot to lose too. Uh, you know, if they get sick and bring it home, uh, that's not good for them. Yeah, as I mentioned, a lot of older officials doing games right now, if they get sick, they could be in trouble health-wise. So uh, they're really putting their, uh, their lives on the line right now for these kids, which is, is great. And they, they definitely should be complimented for that. There's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, what, and, and again, the schools seem to be able to come up with solutions. I, now, I've been hearing some different approaches to this. When, when we did our, our show about this last week, some, one school was uh, saying, hey, um, we've got this massive uh, place. We could technically you, you know, have three events going on simultaneously, each with 250 um, you know, capacity is, is, do you, do you see any kind of like, you know, uh, any kind of looking at the rules that way, ha- you know, it, different interpretations, I guess, is the way I would call that. Yeah. That's a, the, the tough thing is I think most football stadiums, you know, you can almost do pods 
which you could have 250 in the opposing stands, 250 in the home stands, and really count the kids on the field as 250 because they're nowhere near the people in the stands. To say that they should count towards people in the stands is absurd. And I know there's been discussions about that. Can we go ahead and have 750 at games and have those three pods? I believe a, a, a team in Pittsburgh did that this past week, and a team, a team in Reading, I believe, had 600 people at their game just to kind of, you know, you know, they don't want to violate what Governor Wolf has out there as a mitigation order, but um, it's silly the way it's written right now. And it was challenged today in the federal court. So yes. it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here uh, with this 250 thing. Um, I know a lot of schools have different approaches, like you said. Some Most have banned opposing fans. They're, you know, that's just the reality of it. Everyone plays twice for the most part. So you get to see, uh, you know, you see the same game just at your home field. Um, but some of these teams are big. And I know going into this week, uh, Northeast has its um, senior night. So they're going to want to get a lot of parents in there. And they told Harbor Creek, you can only bring 50. And that means 50 between the team, the coaches, and stat keepers, athletic trainers. And on the roster alone, they have 65 players. So wow. you tell kids they got to stay home now. And you got to tell coaches, do you stay home? So it's, it's a tough situation overall. Everyone, I think for the most part, is working together. You know, we've had some issues with schools wanting to not include media in that 250. I believe at Northeast, uh, they're allowing media, but only two at a time. So if I'm there and a TV station is there and someone shows up and we've been there for a while, one of us has to go while they come in kind of thing. And I know some, you know, some schools have tried to ban media. Um, some schools said, no problem. Just tell us when you're coming and well ahead of time. So it's a really, it's a tough situation how, Schools are really handling things. I think part of that is the PIAA really, I don't want to say they didn't give any direction, but they didn't really tell anyone how to handle this. They kind of said, do your own thing. So every school is different. And it's just, uh, it's a really tough situation. You know, in the past, you know, every year I've, I've been at the paper, you can basically just show up at a, a, a soccer game, a football game, basketball game, baseball game, tell you, you know, I'm with the media, you're good to go. Now you basically have to ask ahead of time for every single event you want to go to or send a photographer to. So it's just, uh, it's a, there's a lot of tension out there, but I think everyone's working together for the most part. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, just, just get off of football for a second. Let's talk girls volleyball. I mean, I just can't imagine not allowing, you know, uh, uh, you know, one of your photographers to go take pictures of like the big volleyball match. I mean, we have state, we have people that go down to states very deep front coming out of district 10 and coming out of Erie County. And we're not going to take a picture of the big, uh, the big matchups for girls volleyball. I can't even imagine that, but you're already, you're already over 25 in a gym just with the players and the coaches and the officials. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because uh, this is kind of a, you know, volleyball is almost a dry run for how basketball season is going to go. Right. It's kind of the same thing. And uh, I've talked to a lot of ADs, and it seems like most what their plan is is you're going to have eight players on each team uh, with, you know, six on the floor, two on the bench. You get your coach, you get your officials in there, you get your stat keeper, and then the rest of the team is going to be in the hallway because the way everyone's kind of interpreting this 25 thing is in a, in a certain part of the facility. So the gym is a 25 limit. But the hallway 
is another 25. Right. So you may see seven kids on each team in the hallway and one runs in while one runs out of the gym to go play for a few minutes, then keep just keep rotating. And we've been told by some ADs, you can come cover the game, but you got to stay in the hallway. So we <laughs> could have some, some faraway shots, some, <clears throat> some faraway photos of the match. Um, some gyms aren't a big deal. Like, for example, Harbor Creek, you know, you could, you could take two steps into the gym from the hallway and you're on the court, uh, stuff like that. Wow. So that wouldn't be a big deal. So it's going to be interesting to see how everyone kind of adjusts to all the realities of this. Um, I'm just hoping at some point we get rid of this. Well, not, not even get rid of it, but just ease it a little bit. Maybe move up to 750 or even 50% of your facility or even 25% of a facility would work. You know, 25% of an average football field, you're going to get probably 500 people in there. Absolutely. Like 25% of a gym, you're going to get, uh, you know, 75 people, 80 people in there. So it's just it, we got to use common sense at some point to uh, get this these, help these kids out. Well, isn't this really what the governor was after? He's saying, I strongly recommend against any fall sports until or any high school sports until uh, January 1st, 2021. And then it was, you know, while it was just no fans, it was actually would would work better. And then when he allowed, well, to be consistent, I have to just keep it to the event limits. It made it actually worse because you have to have all this craziness going on. And especially with the with the parents saying, hey, I got to be there in case my kid gets uh, gets uh, a broken leg or what have you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, they were, it, it was almost like when he had the ban on spectators, okay, we hate it, but we'll accept it. It's, you know, whatever across the board. Then when he says <laughs> fans are allowed with the limits, how do you even fairly distribute tickets? No. You know, let's say you're McDowell and you're playing Butler and, you know, McDowell alone, Butler, their teams, probably 220 by the time you get done with everybody that's going to be playing or working the game. So now you have 30 tickets. How do you even begin to fairly distribute 30 tickets? I mean, you're better off just saying, forget it. We're yeah. going to have 220 at it, and, and, you know, spectators are still not allowed. Watch the stream. So, and you're right, too. I think this whole thing has been about getting rid of sports. You know, Governor Wolf, I think, does not want to be the bad guy to ban sports but he wants to make it as difficult as humanly possible to have them. I mean, you think about <laughs> it's this, true. this 25 limit. I mean, how do you even have basketball? How do you even have wrestling? I mean, wow. wrestling alone, there's 13 bouts in a match. That's 26 right there that have to wrestle, let alone coach officials, uh, you know, athletic trainers, backups of uh, uh, wrestlers. I mean, do you have, do you have a wrestler wrestle his bout then go home? And, you know, you know, read about it tomorrow's paper if you want or not, you know, your, your team. Uh, it just seems like he's doing everything he can to just say, to make school say, forget it. We're just not going to do it without actually doing it. So uh, I'm glad there are some lawmakers and people trying to just get things in, in order to ignore what he wants to do. Everyone wants to be safe. That's the thing. Everyone wants to be healthy and okay. No one wants to just jam people together and create a, a spread. But at some point, we have to use logic and figure out what can we do safely. We're down to our last four minutes. I, I want to 
catch up with you about how the regions are working. We saw a lot of lopsided games this weekend. Do you, are we just getting started here? People have first week jitters. Maybe some of these teams were not really ready uh, for prime time uh, on week one. Do you think it's going to tighten up uh, the play? Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I mean, uh, personally, I think the move to six classes has really think, taken things back a few steps, and I think we're getting some subpar football at times because of that move. Um, you look at the regions. There's, there's nine regions, including seven with four teams, and so you're gonna see everything that happened this weekend is gonna happen again two weeks from now after the second round of games. And uh, I thought if we were under four classes. You see a lot more consistency, a lot better teams playing each other. For example, Fort LaBeouf is 3A, Harbor Creek is 4A. Um, there's no reason those two should be playing. They're both very good. It'd be a great game, but because of six classes, because of these regions, they will not face each other this year. And even the Harbor Creek coach told me on Saturday he would have loved to play Fort LaBeouf. So I think there's examples like that all over District 10. We're going to see a lot of blowouts this year, unfortunately. I think you also see a handful of programs that probably need to co-op with somebody or figure something out because it's just not going to go well for uh, years now. So uh, it, it's, it's tough. I just think, you know, there are the haves and the have-nots, and I think six classes has really widened that gap, uh, you know, between Farrell, Wilmington, Prep, McDowell, as opposed to Seneca, Sagertown, Iroquois, and those kinds of teams. So it, it may not be a pretty season, but I guess we got to be happy we have a season. It's almost like with everything else with COVID, COVID brings out the inequities of of our society, even in high school sports. You would have never thought it, but it's so true, right? Absolutely. I mean, you think about just the average, you know, let's just look at Prep, McDowell, some of the bigger programs. I'm sure they have a lot more access to materials and PPE and this and that, and the smaller schoes around here, I'm guessing, are just going by on a shoestring budget, trying to buy hand sanitizer, masks, and all that kind of stuff. So, like you said, it really any exposing the haves and have-nots right now. Uh, we got to wrap it up here, Tom Reisenweber. Tom, we just really appreciate uh, uh, your expertise on this. And uh, again, we don't we don't want to be um, look a gift horse in the mouth. We're glad that the kids are able to play. I mean, as a, as a parent who had a scholastic athlete, I can't even imagine uh, my son not being able to run cross country as if, if governor Wolf would have had his way. Right. But, uh, um, but we, you know, something's got to give and maybe uh, between legislation and this lawsuit, we might figure it out. Huh? Yeah, hopefully. And I think that the big key here is, we're playing for the whole school year. If we can't get through the fall, we're not going to have a winter or spring season. Uh, so I, thankfully everyone's doing a great job right now. I think we're all schools are showing they can handle this and uh, it's going pretty well so far. And uh, hopefully everything, something gets figured out with governor Wolf and parents can actually watch their kids play. That's a cautionary tale. If we can't play fall, we might, we're not going to have winter or spring either. Oh, my goodness. All righty. Tom Weisenweber <laughs> uh, from the Erie Times News at GoErie.com. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. 
Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at talkerie.com. 